Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lexington Arrow Leader and Kentucky.com. On today's podcast, we're going to review Kentucky football's 30-13 to loss to the Georgia Bulldogs down in Athens on Saturday. Kentucky drops to 6-1 and on the year, overall 4-1 and in the SEC. Georgia, the number one ranked team in the country, improved to 7-0 and overall and 5-0 and in the SEC. The Bulldogs are now clearly in the driver's seat for in the SEC East. To help me review the game and to look ahead to UK's bye week and beyond, my guest is Mark Story, my fellow columnist, my fellow sports columnist at the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. So let's not waste any time. Let's get right to it. My conversation with Mark Story of the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Okay, my guest, as always, on Sundays after UK football games is Mark Story, my fellow sports columnist at the Herald Leader. How's it going, Mark? It's going good, John. Kentucky uh, loses to number one ranked Georgia, thirty to thirteen on Saturday down in Athens. Uh, Mark, was there anything in the game that surprised you uh, about the game Saturday? Yeah, there were a couple of things. You know, in the big picture, which I actually wrote, to me, it was very similar to the two thousand eighteen game here in Lexington when Kentucky and Georgia played in that case for the SEC East championship in this case for the SEC East lead, you know, the margin was the same and just, you know, uh, you know, Georgia threw the ball better in this game and ran it more in the 18 game. But otherwise I thought there were a whole lot of similarities, I guess to, you know, sort of drill down. I was a little, I thought Kentucky would be able to run the ball a little better. You know, I, I went into the game thinking Georgia's defense was incredible, but I thought Kentucky could run it. You know, Kentucky had been able to run it a little bit on Georgia. You know, you know, Chris Rodriguez had over 100 yards on him last year. So I thought Kentucky would be able to run it a little better, and they, they obviously couldn't. And then just to my untrained eye, I didn't think Kentucky's linebackers played very well, and I think they've been really good this year. So I, that that surprised me a little bit. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, they couldn't run the ball for 51 yards on 27 carries. Uh, threw it, ended up throwing the ball 42 times. Uh, did you think overall Georgia's defense was as good as advertised? I thought, yes, I did. I think Georgia's <laughs> defense, I think the I think the line is incredible, just how big and how you know physical and athletic they are. But the other thing to me that's really impressive about Georgia is there's no yards after contract. No. I mean, they, when they, they hit you, you go down and, you know, you, there's no pushing the pile and, you know, there's no, you know, eluding, you know, making a move and you know, that just doesn't happen. And, you know, it's as good a defense as I've seen in a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, so are there any positives for Kentucky out of this game? There were. I thought Will Levis played well. You know, I think you know, second straight game. Now, obviously, you know, you throw the ball, you complete thirty-two passes and gain one hundred and ninety-two yards. You know, that's uh, that's that's not 
stellar, but I thought, you know, given the quality of the defense and the pressure they were under and the fact that everything Kentucky does is predicated on its ability to run the ball and they couldn't run it at all, I, I, I thought he played well. And I thought it was somewhat encouraging that given that they couldn't run it and how important that is to Kentucky's, you know, overall offensive approach, I thought it was somewhat encouraging that they drove the ball into the Georgia red zone three times. You know, in the prior six games, Georgia had only allowed teams into its red zone eight times total. So, and I thought it, you know, I thought it showed well of Liam Cohen that deprived of the running game, they were able to improvise and come up with, you know, some ways to at least move the ball, you know, three times. Yeah, right, right. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned, yeah, they threw it forty-two times. He completed thirty-two. Most of them on short passes. They couldn't, they couldn't uh, hit a big pass, and they had several passes dropped. Yeah, the the, the drops were a problem, and you know, some of that. You know, with there's going to be a little bit of that with Levis just because he throws the ball so hard. But I thought in this case, in this game, most of the, the ups were on balls that you know could have been and should have been caught. And you know, that's an area. You know, Mitch Barnhart was being interviewed on the UK radio network before the game and talked about how Mark Stoops had built this program from the inside out, meaning that you know they had shored up the offensive and defensive lines first. You know, and obviously, you know, the wide receiving position, the the guys catching the ball is probably an area where they could use some upgrades. Yeah, the, well, no doubt, no doubt about that, because nobody has really stepped up. Uh, Josh Ali missed the game. I think they really need to get him back. Wandale's obviously their prime focus, uh, you know, receivers. So that means they're also he's also the prime focus of the defense, and there that nobody has really stepped up to take that uh, second spot. But on the flip side of that, I mean, when you run the ball as much as Kentucky's run the ball and not been able to throw it very effectively until Liam Cohen got here, I mean, it stands, you know, there, there's a reason why they haven't been able to get, you know, great receivers up to this point. And I would think that that has a chance to change uh, with Liam Cohen uh, as your offensive coordinator and with the type of offense that they run now. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. And the other thing, you know, that I thought Liam, you know, Wandale was not able to break it, but I did think it was encouraging that they got him 13 touches. Right. You want your best players to touch the ball in the biggest games, and they did find, him, find a way to get him the ball. And you know, it's just to George's credit, I think that you know plays that you know chances, opportunities he's had in prior games where he could take those short throws and make something big happen. You know, Georgia just didn't let that happen. Kentucky had a 22 play drive at the. Uh in the fourth quarter, basically took up almost the entire fourth quarter, uh, over 11 minutes. Stoops called timeout with, I think, seven seconds to go to run one more play to score, which they did. He got a lot of questions about it after the game. I noticed, uh, at least online, uh, uh, Josh Moore was there at the cover in Athens covering the game for us, Mark, and I both were back here in Lexington. The fans were not too happy there inside Sanford Stadium. I didn't have a problem with what Mark did. What about you? No, I didn't really have a problem with it. No, I'm also the flip side. If Georgia had had the ball and had stuck it in at the end like that, I wouldn't have had a problem with that either. I just don't really sweat that kind of stuff. At the you know two SEC schools playing each other, you know the game lasts sixty minutes. I don't have any problem with either team playing to the end. And you know I can understand if you're a Georgia fan and you're proud of that defense and its record, not 
you know, not being thrilled to see somebody call a timeout to score one last touchdown. But, you know, I also think there may be some recruiting value for Kentucky to be able to say, hey, we were the first team to score two touchdowns on that defense. So I didn't have any problem with it. Yeah, I think to me, too, is I think if the if the situation had been reserved, if reversed, I think Mark would have taken a knee in that spot if he was up 30 to 7. But you know, you're talking about a new offense. Uh, you know, you you only get to play Georgia once. You're only going to be up, going up against that defense once. Uh, I don't. Uh, you know, I think any every rep you can get against them is valuable. You're in a position there where you're down on the goal line. You know, you got one play to get it in. And Georgia on that last drive, it seemed to me Georgia had their starters, or at least most of their starters, in. it wasn't like they were going against Georgia's third and fourth stringers, unless unless I'm wrong. It seemed to me like the familiar names were in there for Georgia. Yeah, I you know, like I said, the game lasts 60 minutes. I don't have any problem with either team playing till the end yeah. under any under any scenario. <laughs> yeah. Why? What's the problem with the block kicks? Well, in that game yesterday, I thought Kentucky's guards, both offensively and then also on those field goal tries, were just getting overpowered by Georgia. And, you know, I think Kentucky's guards are pretty good, so I think that's an indication of just how powerful Georgia is up the middle. But it looked to me like on both those block kicks, Georgia just – you just basically crushed the middle of the Kentucky line and, and got penetration. Yeah. Uh, to me, another positive in the game yesterday, if you're looking for a positive, is Juton McClain. We're starting to see more of him now that he's back from that suspension, being one of the six guys. He's a guy who had, who had to sit out the first part of the season. Uh, he, you know, he had a really good training camp. He's a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield. Uh, you know, I think we're starting to see more and more of him in the offense, and I expect that to continue. Yeah, I think he, you know, I think one thing they'll do, you know, to try to compensate for lack of wide receiving depth is to, you know, throw the ball to the backs more. And I think he is a guy that, you know, I think they will feature in that capacity. And having dogged the receivers, I, I did think Demarcus Harris stepped up and yep. made a couple of good, good plays. Yes. And, you know, I've always thought there was some potential there. And, you know, probably he's in a position, you know, he's not playing for the offensive staff that recruited him. He probably needs to get that unlo- unlocked uh, pretty mm-hmm. quickly here. Uh, <laughs> But I thought, you know, I thought it was encouraging that he made two, you know, two big plays really back to back against that defense. Yeah, a discouraging thing was Isaiah Cummings getting hurt there towards the end of the game. We don't know the extent of his injury. Uh, hopefully, he'll be okay. Uh, which leads me into my next next uh, topic here is that Kentucky. They, it's an off week. Kentucky doesn't play this week. Uh, they don't play again until they play down at Mississippi State on October the 30th. Uh, to me, it comes at a at a good time. They've got a lot of injuries. they got a, guy, a lot of guys uh, with uh, bumps and bruises and so forth. Uh, to me, it comes this, – this is a pretty good time to have an off week. What about you? Yeah, I don't think there's any question. You know, you think back to the – the 07 season when they had gotten off to a, a six and one start and they played, you know, South Carolina on a Thursday, a ranked South Carolina on a Thursday night with Steve Spurrier as the coach, a huge game. They played number one LSU, you know, the memorable upset, triple overtime upset of number one LSU. They came back and played Florida with Tim Tebow in college game day here in Lexington. You know, that was, you know, three just mega games in a row, somewhat similar to this year where they've had Florida, LSU, and then number one, Georgia. And in 07, they did not have the open date. They had to then come back and play Mississippi State, ironically. And they were beaten up, and a couple of their key guys didn't play, and they just 
played like a team that had nothing in the tank and lost a game that they really shouldn't have lost. And it, it sort of derailed that season right. in a lot of ways. So, yeah, I think this is an ideal time um, for Kentucky, you know, in 2021 to, to have an off off date to sort of recharge and, you know, get ready for, you know, the second half of the season while they obviously, you know, barring some kind of incredible Georgia meltdown, they're not going to win the SEC East. You know, they still have a chance, you know, Kentucky hasn't had a double digit uh, regular season since 1977. And that's, you know, very much possible if they play well down the stretch. So, you know, there's, there's still a lot to play for here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. Let's look at the rest of the season. They got Mississippi state on the road, uh, October 30th, and they come back home to play Tennessee back on the road to play Vanderbilt home for New Mexico state and on the road at Louisville. Uh, what do you think about this last five game stretch? How do we look at this at this point? Well, I think Mississippi, I think Kentucky is better than Mississippi state, but Kentucky has not played well in Starkville. In the Mark Stoops era, you know they, they played a close game. Mark's first time down there on a Thursday night, and then the rest since then they've just they've they've been blown out twice and lost in double digits another time. So that's been a tough venue. So you know that to me is the biggest concern about that game. But Tennessee is better than I expected. Now I don't know what happened with Hendon Hooker last night. He got hurt at the end of the game. I don't think Tennessee's nearly as good without him at quarterback. So I don't know what's going to be the situation there. But I think I think Tennessee is better, has played better than I would have thought they than I would have expected at the start of the season. You know, Vanderbilt's a team Kentucky should beat. You know, you know Kentucky sort of sleptwalked through a the game against Chattanooga, a team they should have beaten. So, you know, you have, I think you have to worry a little bit about that. But if Kentucky shows up and is ready to play, they'll take care of business there. And the same is true of New Mexico State. You know, Louisville has probably been a little better than I expected. But to me, the difference between Kentucky and Louisville in recent, the last two meetings has been in both lines. You know, I think Kentucky's line play is a whole lot better than Louisville's. And until I see on the field that that gap is closed, I think that's a game Kentucky, you know, has a good chance to win. Yeah, and I, I agree with all that. I think, I, I think you know, Mark's comments yesterday when I asked him about the open week uh, said he, he thought it did come at a good time, but he's not going to let up on him. He said they're getting Monday off and they're going right back to work on Tuesday. And I don't think he wants them to get any kind of malaise or anything like that. Uh, and I think part of that is what you just talked about. They have not played well at Mississippi State. I agree. I think they're better than Mississippi State. I watched Mississippi State in Alabama last night, and, uh, you know, I just – they're three and three. I know they beat Texas A&M at Texas A&M. I know they're a dangerous team. Uh, then they beat North Carolina State, I think, earlier in the year. They did. They did. Uh, so they've got two really good wins. But I, I'm not all that impressed with them. I think Kentucky's the better team. But uh, you know, and they beat them here. Uh, what the game last year was the game where Kentucky had six interceptions, right? Uh, so you know, but as you mentioned, they haven't played well down in Starkville. Uh, but you know, they not beaten. Florida and Lexington until uh, since '86, and they did that this year. They had not beaten LSU by three touchdowns till '99. They did that this year. So, uh, to me, there's kind of another another box that they can check off that they finally beat Mississippi State down there. Uh, you know, Tennessee. I agree. I think Tennessee is. Uh, Josh Heupel has that offense revved up. It, it's going to be very important. The quarterback situation. I think Kentucky does get them at home. I think that's an advantage. But I'm sure Tennessee, even though it's a different coaching staff, they remember that 34-7 loss last year in Knoxville. They should handle Vanderbilt easily, but you, know, you never know. Uh, they should handle New Mexico State easily. And Louisville, 
I think Louisville's pretty good offensively. I think Satterfield is a good offensive coach, but they still can't stop anybody. They still are having trouble on defense, and unless they figure that out, I still think Kentucky uh, will win that game. I don't know easily, but I, I think Kentucky will be a solid favorite at Louisville. Uh, but you have to take care of what's in front of you, as Stoops keeps saying. You have to play, and as he said, it's going to be one week, uh, one week seasons from here on out. But you're exactly right. Even though they did lose yesterday, they're not going to win the SEC East. I still don't see. I don't see anybody beating Georgia. Uh, but uh, they do. They do still have a lot to play for, and a lot of that is what kind of bowl they can get into at the end of the year. I mean, I don't think it's outside. You know, I don't, I'm not sure they can get into the the New Year's Six Bowl, but I think they definitely have a shot at it, especially if they can run the table uh, the rest of the year. Yeah, I think I think that they really need Alabama to beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. They would have a much better shot, I think, at the New Year's Six Bowl if there's two SEC teams in the playoff. Mm-hmm. The other thing, they probably need Ole Miss to lose mm-hmm. and, and maybe lose a couple because I just think with Ole Miss's high-powered offense, with the star power of Matt Corral and with Lane Kiffin as the coach, I suspect the Bulls would probably see more entertainment value in Ole Miss than they would Kentucky. Right. But yeah, it would you know Kentucky hasn't played in what is the equivalent of a New Year's Six Bowl since the not what the nineteen fifty two Cotton Bowl. I think so. so it, yeah. it would be you know it would be a really cool thing to see and a really big you know step forward for the Kentucky football program if they could. Uh, Get get a berth and get a chance to play in one of those games again. And I think they've got a shot, but they got to run the table to do it. They can't lose another game and have a shot at it. I don't believe, especially considering you know if they take a loss between now and the end of the season, it'll be to a team that's not all that good. So it wouldn't wouldn't help them from that uh, standpoint. Uh, as we go into the bye week, anything else we need to address, Mark? Um, no, I I mean I I think if you had offered. Kentucky fans, you know, six and one, right. you know, and this, at this point on the first, you know, game of the season, you had offered them a, you know, a game with Georgia for the SEC East lead and it offered them a week like last week where I don't, you know, I don't, I was trying to think back to 07 after Kentucky upset LSU and had the Tebow game coming in with game day, how much attention they got. And I can't really remember, but I don't ever remember a week where there was so much national publicity, positive national publicity for the Kentucky football program as there was last week. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like every major national college football writer wrote a big feature about how Mark Stoops had turned around Kentucky. Right. Yeah, exactly. Which uh, led to uh, one of the columns that you wrote this week about the Kentucky job because there are a lot of talk this week about, okay, what jobs are going to be open at the end of the year. And Mark Stoops is going to be in the mix for those jobs. Bruce Feldman, uh, you know, a very well-known college football writer wrote for the, uh, tweeted for the athletic that uh, Mark's going to be in high demand. Uh, What, let's say they get to the end of the season, they are, you know, 10 and two or 11 and one, or even nine and three. What, uh, do you think that that will play out, that there'll be schools coming after Mark? You know, it's interesting. I think for a really, you know, major brand name football school, I think Kentucky almost has to go 11 and one for, you know, for them to, to sell stoops. And that's not a knock on Mark, who I think has done a fabulous job. I just think in terms of those schools selling a coach, you know, you need to do, you have done something really just excellent, just you know, right. personifies excellence. But, you know, it's interesting. I don't, there, to me, there, you know, 
I don't think there are a lot of jobs that at this point are that much better than Kentucky. You know, I hear, you know, some people say, well, Kentucky's defying gravity. And I guess in a way, based on its history, it is. But I just think the fundamentals of the Kentucky job have changed a little bit. I think facilities are not the disadvantage at Kentucky they have traditionally been. And obviously, you have to you know, stay up to date on that to make that continue to be so. And, you know, you look at the contract that Kentucky's given Mark Stoops, it's one best coaching contracts in the country I mean, right. it's incredibly favorable so if you're going to give all that up and you know you know I, I i agreed with the column you wrote earlier that these guys who were writing hey the kentucky job's the best job in the country because there's no pressure i mean i think that's crap <laughs> i think there is i think there is pressure but there's not the pressure that there is say at lsu where if you're not you know, haven't won a national championship in three or four years, you're going to be out. It, it's not like that. So to me, I don't know that there are that many jobs that I think are so much better than Kentucky that, you know, I, that I think would be tempting. Now I say that without knowing, you know, what you know Mark's personal situation is in terms of, you know, sometimes somebody just wants to do something new or live somewhere else. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes into that, but strictly as a football matter, I think Kentucky's a pretty good job right now. No, I agree. The only thing, the only thing I think if, is that, you know, the SEC is a really tough league. And I don't mean that from the standpoint that uh, if you, you know, that he, you know, he, he doesn't want the challenge or anything like that. I just mean it's definitely a grind. Week after week, you got Oklahoma and Texas coming into the league. If a job opened up in another conference, I mean, you do, does the coach get to the point where, well, maybe this would be a little easier if I go went someplace else? I don't know about that. But, I, I you know, it, but it would have to be the right. It would have to be the right job in the right situation. So, and you know, and we've talked about this before too. Even with Oklahoma and Texas coming into the league, I still don't think. I mean, obviously, is it going to make it tougher for Kentucky? Yes, it's going to make it tougher for everybody else in the SEC with them coming in. Uh, maybe not so much with Texas, although I still think Sarkeesian's going to get it going. But you know, that's two very good. Uh, college football programs with a lot of history behind them in areas where you can recruit. But I don't know that it affects Kentucky's recruiting all that much considering how much Kentucky goes into Ohio and Michigan. And they've started to make more inroads in the South. I think, you, as you wrote earlier, John Summerall's had a lot to do with that. But I think also the success of the program has a lot to do with that. So, um, you know, I, and I agree 100%. I mean, I, I don't pretend to know Mark Stoops well enough to know what's going on in his head and what he thinks long term about jobs or personal situation. Uh, but I do think I do think the job at Kentucky now is a lot different than the job even than it was, you know, 10 years ago, uh, you know, when he first got here. So uh, but it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, and, and to his credit, part of the reason the job's better are things he's done to make it better. Right. You know, he played a huge role in raising the money that led to the construction of the Joe Craft, you know, football training center. And you know, it, the the fact that the big recruiting push into Ohio, you know, that a lot of that owes to you know Mark and Vince Marrow's ties into that state. Right. And you know, so you know. The Kentucky job, I think, is a good job right now, and I think it's a better job for Mark Stoops than it might be for another coach who doesn't have the, the recruiting ties close to this state. Right. That's a, that's another excellent point because if he did go someplace else, let's say he went someplace in the, in the south or he went someplace else farther away, 
You know, I'm not sure he could go into Ohio like he's done here. It's a lot shorter trip to Kentucky. And the other thing, too, is that, and I uh, I talked to Gary Danielson this past week, uh, and I didn't work this into the story, but one of the things he said is, is he thinks Kentucky and other schools are benefiting from, hey, you can play for us. I've built this program, and you can play in the SEC. That's one of the things he said. He thought Kentucky had done as good a job, if not better than anybody else, in getting transfers, and he expected that to continue, he said, because Kentucky has proven, hey, we are a very good program trying to compete at a top level. And if you come play for us, you can play in the best conference in the country and you can play against the best players, which is, may help you get to that next level where you want to go. And uh, so, you know, I think there, there, you know, there's pros and cons to it, but I think that might be a con. If you go someplace else geographically farther away from Ohio, he might not be able to recruit that Ohio base as effectively as he has done so at Kentucky. Yeah, to me, the question, you know, uh, can you win the national championship at Kentucky? Yes. You know, probably not. But in a 12-team playoff, you might could, you know, reach the 12-team playoff. Mm-hmm. They would have been in contention for that in 18. They would be in contention for that this year. So, right. you know, that, that the, assuming the 12-team playoff happens at some point, that may remove a, a, a Kentucky negative. But, you know, if, if Penn State came open – you know, I think you know you, you want right, which could. <laughs> and if they if they offered, I mean, I think that's a job you would have to consider. Now you you're still in a league with you're in a division with Ohio State and Michigan and Michigan State, so that's no picnic either. Right. But probably that would be a, a more direct path to a national championship opportunity than he has here. So you know, maybe that's something he would have to think about. But you know, and we we know you know he, he interviewed with Florida State before they hired Norvell. So presumably that's a job that interested him, a place he had worked. You know, the longer that thing is dysfunctional, you just wonder, you know, the harder those things to me become to fix. I mean, you look at Nebraska or even Tennessee, the longer that reign of dysfunction goes, the harder it is to get a program back on track. Right. So, you know, I think the bottom line is I think he has a good job. Is You know, are there better jobs? Yes, but I don't know that there are that many. Yeah. Miami is a job that I wonder about. I mean, work there. You obviously can work a lot of good football players in Miami. Miami was once a power. They're kind of like Florida State. They've been kind of wandering around in the wilderness here lately. Uh, but from the fact that Mark has worked there before, you know, I wonder about that job. But who knows what Manny Diaz's situation uh, you know, is there. I was talking with an SEC athletic director that I know here not too long ago, and the Florida State job came up, and this person said just didn't see how Florida State could make another coaching change. They had gone through so many here lately, and so if you got, it's like we got, this person thought they would stick with Norvell longer to see because of what's gone on in there in the past, but uh, but we'll see. So uh, the other thing, too, is, I mean, you've put so much work into building this program at Kentucky. I mean, you're exactly right. He played a huge role in, in, in getting the craft football facility, uh, played a role as well in the renovation of the stadium. Uh, you know, do you want to walk away from that and start all over again at another job? Uh, well, and the, and, the, and the downside to these big football powers is even if you win there, I mean, you're following whoever built the program. Right. You know, it's it's been a long time since Paul Bryant coached at Kentucky. So any you know any achievement here, you know, it belongs to Mark Stoops. He's the one at the end who could get a statue here. I don't know that that's available to him, even if he won big at Penn State. Right. 
Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, well, we got to play them one game at a time, and there's no game this week. Uh, so uh, no Mark Stoops press conference on Monday. They'll start again on the next Monday uh, on this off week. So, uh, but but be sure and follow Mark on Twitter at Mark C Story. Uh, and his columns online on Kentucky.com and in the print edition of the Herald Leader. One last thing before I let you go, Mark, about your Dodgers, how you feel down 1-0. In the cha- we're recording this on Sunday afternoon going into game two tonight of the uh, NL Championship Series. Well, they were down 2-0 to Atlanta last year and 3-1 to and were able to rally. So, you know, hopeful. Um, you know, the, the one thing about coming in is the wild card and then having a five going to the limit with the Giants in the division series the pitching is not set up quite as well for the Dodgers as it was last year. And they had to use a bullpen game in the first game. Got, you know, guys starting on short rest. I think Scherzer is going tonight. Bueller in game three. So that, that worries me a little bit, but you know, I am, it's, it's, it's fun to have, it's fun to have your team in the playoffs. And the one thing about winning the world series last year I'm not nearly dying, living and dying on every pitch like I was last year. I want the Dodgers to win. They've never won back-to-back World Series, so that would be a cool thing to see. Is that right? But, I didn't know that. No, they never have. Really? But um, it would so that would be that would be a historically cool thing to see. And this might be kind of the last go-around for this nucleus because yeah. you know Corey Seager's a free agent and Kershaw, who's not even playing because of injury, is a free agent. And Kenley Jansen's a free agent. Chris Taylor's a free agent. Kind of the core guys of the team may or may not be back. So in that way, it's kind of their la- it could be their last go around. But it, having won last year does make it a little easier on the nerves this year. Well, people who listen to this will probably hear it after tonight's game, but uh, we'll see how Walker Buehler, Lexington's own Walker Buehler, uh, fares tonight in game two. And uh, we'll be uh, we'll be talking to you again after the bye week about Kentucky football. And as as always, Mark, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks, John. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. My thanks, as always, to Mark Story of the Herald Leader in Kentucky.com. Follow Mark on Twitter at Mark C. Story. Read him in the print pages of the Herald Leader and online at Kentucky.com. Remember, you can get a Sports Pass sports-only subscription to a digital subscription to Kentucky.com. All of our UK sports coverage, high school coverage, uh, rate of Keeneland, you get it all for $30 for the first year. Go to my Twitter feed. You can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. Go to the top of the feed. Click on the pin tweet. It'll take you right where you need to go to learn all about the Sports Pass digital subscription. We appreciate everybody who supports our work at the Lexington Arrow Leader and Kentucky.com. I appreciate everybody who listens to the podcast and who has left a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Podcasts and iHeartRadio podcast. We appreciate everybody who has done that. Going to take a little time off this week with it being the open week. I will be at the UK Basketball Media Day on Wednesday, but we will not have our regular UK football uh, podcast this week with Josh Moore. Uh, We will be back with you for the week of the Mississippi State game, Kentucky playing at Mississippi State on October 30th. So thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time on the John Clay Podcast.